Hello and welcome to Amazing Tales from off and on Connecticut's Beaten Path. I'm Mike Allen, here with another fresh, fascinating story about historically significant people, places, and events from Connecticut's long and fabled past. Today on Amazing Tales, P.T. Barnum, the father of the American circus, right? Well, actually, no. His Barnum and Bailey Circus certainly made a name for itself over 150 years, but Barnum himself learned the trade from another man, Aaron Turner of Danbury. My guest is Bill Devlin, retired longtime history teacher at Darien, Connecticut High School, also the author of numerous articles about history, including one on Aaron Turner, and also books, including We Crown Them All, A History of Danbury and Danbury's Third Century. So now, stay tuned for one amazing tale. When it comes to the history of the circus in the United States, there are a couple of common misconceptions that probably need to be set straight. First off, P.T. Barnum did not start the American circus. In fact, he was a relative latecomer into the industry. The Barnum and Bailey Circus was only started very late in Barnum's life, he did make his name in other ways, and he was a great, perhaps even the greatest American showman, so I'll devote an entire standalone episode to P.T. Barnum at a later time. Today, though, we focus instead on the man who took P.T. Barnum into his operation and taught him the business from the inside, a man named Aaron Turner. Turner was born and raised in a neighborhood of Ridgefield called Ridgebury. It borders the city of Danbury. Turner was born into abject poverty. He was the illegitimate son of a woman named Mercy Honey. His birth year was sometime between 1785 and 1790. Nobody's entirely certain. He was raised on a farm in Ridgebury on a street which today is called Turner Road. Eventually, after his mom passed on, a guardian was named for Turner, a man named Dorcas Osborne. Osborne would later leave his farm in Ridgebury to Turner. Turner would say in later life, though, that he never knew his mother or his father. Not a lot is known about Turner's early years. He was an apprentice to a shoemaker, we know that. He couldn't read or write, including his own name, and had no formal education. He did have to write his marks so many times on debt papers, though, that he finally learned how to sign his own name. Turner came along at a time in the early 1800s when there was a big shift going on in the still young United States. Until then, really only people with the right pedigree or background, those who came from families who were well off, usually made it in society. But this time period saw what some historians call the rise of the common man. Well, Turner certainly fit this bill. He came from an undistinguished background with virtually no money and no education but a determination to succeed would drive him to success. In his own biography, P.T. Barnum referred to Turner as a original genius and a good judge of human nature from whom a lot could be learned. Barnum also quoted Turner as saying, Every man who has good health and common sense can make a fortune. And also this quote, Any man may become rich who is determined to do so. And succeed, Turner did. He would learn the circus business, a new industry that had started not too far from his boyhood farm just across the Connecticut border in New York State. At that time, circuses were illegal in Connecticut, 
but not New York. It all began in 1808 when a gentleman named Hakaliah Bailey from Somers, New York, bought an elephant. While the first documented elephant to be brought to the U.S. was one that was imported in 1796 in Salem, Massachusetts, it's not clear if that's the same elephant that Bailey himself bought. If she wasn't the first elephant imported to the U.S., then she was the second. Bailey named her Old Bet, short for Betsy. He brought in some rather exotic animals to make the first menagerie. Historian Bill Devlin says that this was really the start of the American circus. Most of the circus uh, developed in the, in the United States around Somers, New York, and many of the, many of the people were related. You, you find this name Bailey in, in all kinds of places. Hakaliah Bailey built a hotel at the intersection of U.S. Route 202 and New York State Route 100. He called it the Elephant Hotel, and he erected a large pole out front, placing a replica of Old Bed on top of it. It's on the National Register of Historic Places today and is widely credited with being the birthplace of the American circus. The town of Somers bought the building and uses it today as its town hall, as well as devoting a floor at the top for a museum. Well, the Bailey family will continue to figure prominently throughout this story. There were some other entrepreneurs in Westchester County and Putnam County in New York who saw the success that Hakaliah Bailey was having in charging people to see his exotic animals, and they decided to get in on the act as well. One of them was a guy named Nathan Howes. He lived in the village of Brewster, New York. And in 1820, when Turner was in his early 30s, he got his first real taste of circus life by joining Nathan Howes' traveling menagerie. By 1826, he was investing as a partner in Howe's Equestrian Company. And two years later, in 1828, Turner ventured out on his own, forming what's called the Columbian Circus, one of the earliest traveling circuses in the U.S. Well, Bill Devlin says that Turner had a different idea for his circus, one that wouldn't rely quite so much on exotic animals as on performers. Turner was a different, he was more like you know, the different acts. And it was just something to break the monotony of farm life, you know, for most people. Yet Turner's early version of the circus wouldn't go as far as to introduce the version many of us are more familiar with, the Three Rings Circus. That has multiple acts and entertainment going on one after another to keep the audience's attention riveted under the big top. Bill says Turner got together a very basic formula that would be used by other circuses for years to come. Most of the acts were things that were easily transportable. Trick riding, clowns, you know, kinds of, you think of it as like a one-ring circus. Turner was credited with several firsts through his Columbian Circus. The first use of a circular big top tent, his was 90 feet in diameter, and the first hippo wagon to transport the dangerous animals to and from appearances. Another big advantage for Turner was that he didn't have to look far to tap into talents. I think he started with his kids being able to do riding tricks. Turner's oldest son, Napoleon, was a particularly gifted rider. He performed tricks on six galloping horses. His daughter, Anne, was also quite talented. She performed all the bareback riding during the shows. Turner's middle child, son Timothy, also did some horseback riding, but he was more like Turner, a back office manager. In fact, he took over management of the circus years later when his father stepped aside. 
Turner also saw that doing tricks on horseback, one of the mainstays of his offering, stood the test of time and didn't get old. In rodeos, there's people who do like this barrel racing stuff and, and you know, people standing on horses and while they're, while they're riding, you know, and that's still a, a thing that will attract people's attention. Turner was certainly entrepreneurial, but he did have a certain penchant for not wanting to stray too far from home. Most of the time, his circus only went through New England, while his competitors went cross-country and even some to other countries. Turner famously said about his booking agent one time when he got them a date in North Carolina, somebody stop that agent, we're getting too far outside Danbury. Well, they never booked another stop further south than North Carolina. His circus wasn't overwhelming. He started with just nine horses, four wagons, a minstrel show, and a band that traveled separately and didn't always show up on time for an engagement. During the winter off-season, Turner would keep his animals and other equipment on his farm in Ridgebury. A few years later, though, his profits started to roll in. He invested in real estate along Danbury's South Main Street and set up operations there. Although all of that's gone today, the land near the old courthouse on Main Street, in fact where the Walgreens drugstore is today, used to be the site of the Turner House, a large wooden structure that was unfortunately torn down in 1967 to make way for a used car dealership. Bill Devlin says people in Danbury used to routinely see elephants, rhinos, and camels in that area grazing on the grass that was far more available then than today. Well, having said that, Turner was notoriously cheap. In fact, there was a saying in those days, go it like old Turner. In other words, clamp down on expenditures. One time when Turner's Circus was heading to West Springfield, Massachusetts for a show, there were 36 crew members. One of them was P.T. Barnum. Well, Barnum recounted years later that the two-day trip to Massachusetts required a one-night stopover. For dinner, Turner got the 36 travelers just three loaves of rye bread and a pound of butter to share between them. Turns out he had gotten a good deal on that from a local farmer. Bill Devlin says that shouldn't really be so surprising. A lot of people who are born in poverty are very... They're either very flamboyant with their money or they continue to be tight with their money. Turner's frugality helped him amass his fortune. For example, instead of spending a lot of money on newspaper ads, Turner would instead send a clown in full costume into the center of the town where they were heading in advance. There, the clown would talk up the show and entertain the population, almost guaranteeing a great turnout when the troop arrived. P.T. Barnum was 25 years younger than Aaron Turner. When Barnum was 26, he got the chance to join up with Turner's Circus just in time for the trip to Massachusetts where rye bread was on the dinner menu. Barnum started as a ticket seller, but he worked his way up to secretary, treasurer, and partner for Turner's Enterprise. Bill Devlin tells his story about P.T. Barnum. Seems he was a church-going man and often read the Bible to those who were traveling in Turner's Circus. He had bought a new black suit and had joined the others at a bar on the road. Well, Turner played a pretty nasty trick on the young Barnum, quietly telling some in the bar that Barnum was a priest who had killed a young Rhode Island girl. Well, when the crowd got agitated and started to rough him up and threatened to tar and feather him and run him out of town, Turner finally stepped in and said, oh, there must have been some mistake. But it served as a learning lesson for Barnum. 
Ticket sales rose as people wanted to see the two who had been squabbling and causing such a ruckus in the bar. Over his many years, P.T. Barnum would use such falsehoods to create increased interest in his business ventures. So how did the Bailey clan continue to figure prominently in this story? George F. Bailey of Brewster, New York, married Aaron Turner's daughter Anne, the same one who did the bareback horse riding at the circus performances. George, it turns out, was the great-nephew of Hakaliah Bailey himself, the first true circus man in U.S. history. Well, years later, after Aaron had passed away as well as his two sons, George Bailey inherited the circus. He expanded it to 50 animals and a crew of 150. He even introduced a waterproof big-top tent that could seat 4,000 spectators. But before you jump to the conclusion that George Bailey must have been the Bailey in the Barnum and Bailey Circus, it needs to be said that the true person who fit that bill was not even a Bailey at all. The James Bailey, who was the other half of that infamous duo, was actually born under a different name. But we'll save that story for the standalone episode on P.T. Barnum. The area where Aaron and George Bailey wintered their circus animals in southern Danbury used to be named Turner Street. Well, it's since been changed to State Street. But Bill says the house in which George Bailey and Aaron Turner's daughter Anne lived in is still standing. It was relocated but can still be found on Park Place in Danbury. Aaron Turner, born in poverty with no education and no capability to read or write his own name, died one of the richest men in Danbury, Connecticut. He left an estate valued at $45,000. In those days, nothing short of a fortune. Bill Devlin says that Turner did his own thing, but managed to make his mark and make his money his own way. He wasn't a big showman like Barnum became. But Bill says that Turner's heirs were able to grow their father's inheritance even further and became the wealthiest residents in Danbury. that's it for this episode of Amazing Tales from Off and On, Connecticut's Beaten Path. I want to thank my guest for this episode, Bill Devlin, the retired longtime history professor at Darien, Connecticut High School, an author of numerous articles and books on history in the Western Connecticut area, including a big article on Aaron Turner. Please follow me at my main podcast website, amazingtalesct.podbean.com. And also in between episodes, you can check out my pages on Facebook at Amazing Tales CT or Instagram, also Amazing Tales CT. That's where I place photos supplementing these podcasts. Plus, I'd love to hear from you and also feel free to send me an idea for a story you'd like me to look into. If you like what you heard today, please spread the word with your family and friends. See you next time here on Amazing Tales from off and on Connecticut's Beaten Path. I'm Mike Allen. Be safe and stay healthy. Mm-hmm.